Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Full of Joy podcast today. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. One of my very top focuses as a self-development influencer and a mindset coach is to create space with all of my platforms, but especially this podcast. My goal is to create and be a space for talking about growth, mindset, mental health, business, and more to give you the tools and support you in what you need to grow and succeed. That being said, I'm honored to have today's guest on, Rebecca Caffiero. Rebecca is a best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker, a business and self-development coach, and founder of The Pitch Club. You are going to learn so much from her today. I know I did. I had like three pages of notes after our interview. So grab a pen and paper. And I'm just so thankful for the conversation that we have. Before we get today's episode started, I wanted to do a quick shout out about my full of joy workbook i just wanted to remind you that my full of joy workbook is absolutely free for everybody listening i always like to do giveaways here in these intros and today's giveaway is for everybody so the full of joy workbook is my like signature workbook and it's absolutely free it really just packages up and condenses a ton of mindset tools and journal prompts and Um, kind of like my rituals and morning routine and it just condenses it all, packages it all up in a 25 page workbook. And I just want everyone to have it. I want everyone to have access to these amazing tools. Everything in there are the the tools that I use every day. So go ahead and download that. All you have to do is just head to my website, put in your email. Um, But of course, I'll just link it down below in the show notes for easy access. But it's also always linked in my Instagram bio. Um, And leave me a rating or leave me a review if you're feeling generous or have any feedback. I love to hear from you guys. So let's jump in with today's guest, Rebecca Caffiero. She is sharing sharing her story of how she built her career and then did it again and had to start all over again. Rebecca gives us her best mindset tips um, and on productivity. She shares about finding your true message and then being aligned with it and really stepping into your zone of genius and really being unstoppable in business and in life. So let's get started take me back. I want to hear, like you said, you started in corporate. So kind of take me back to how you got started and now you have the pitch club and you're a TEDx speaker, you're an author, your next book is coming out this month. Like take me back. How did you, how did you get started? Well, it all started, I mean, I'd say to back to the very beginning of being a little girl growing up in rural Oregon. And I grew up in a really um, a poor area. In fact, the town that I grew up in, the major industry was timber. So, and then where my dad lived, where I'd you know, occasionally go on the weekends, um, it was a town of like 3,300 and it was logging and fishing. So very blue collar, very, you know, we definitely kind of grew up like under the, well, that grew up the whole time, but I started um, as a child, like, uh, you know, beneath the poverty line. And, but I always loved to read. So I learned to read at a young age and that was like my escape was reading. And then writing, I think the side of that is reading teaches you how to dream. It teaches you, it gives you experiences without actually having them. And then I started to write because it, I know you and I both love this concept of designing your life. And writing was that first ability to design something that from nothing really. Um, and so I went and I, I was kind of in journalism all through high school and middle school. And then in college, I worked at a daily paper and, and studied journalism at the University of Oregon. And I always, I never wanted to be in business. Both my parents, now I realize they're entrepreneurs, but, but at the time, you know, they both owned their own businesses, 
my dad's a fisherman. So we're talking completely, completely um, at the mercy of the seasons. An incredibly hard, very physical job, you know, that not just the seasons, but like legislation. Then my stepdad is a water well driller. And so also very seasonal labor, crazy during the summer is like, you know, hoping the ends meet during the during the winter. And I looked at that and I said, I have, I have no desire to own my own business because I saw that kind of feast or famine. And also, again, it to me, I equated owning your own business with actual hard work, like leaving at 4.30 in the morning to go to work when it was still dark and getting home and, you know, like scrubbing your dirty hands. Um, and so I, I really actually wanted to either be an attorney or I always wanted to write so, or a journalist, but my parents didn't have like a great opinion. Like I'd say most kind of blue collar workers of attorneys. Um, though I grew up watching that walk and I loved, like I did debate in high school. And then when I went to college and, and started studying journalism, that was my first love was writing. And being able to take information and create a story around it, you know, and, and teach through that. But I learned while I was working at the paper that it was very difficult to actually live off of a journalist salary. And I, I say salary almost as a joke because it was less than minimum wage. We were on salary, but the amount of hours we worked and what we got paid was, was completely not something you could live off of. So I was bartending or waitressing four nights a week while I worked full-time at a paper while I was going to school. And many of the people that were graduating were like, were, you know, going to work for branches of the LA Times and very reputable publications. And they were making 25,000 a year. Now this is, this is almost 20 years ago. So yeah. it is a while, but it still was not enough to like live comfortably. And, and so I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I decided I'd go to law school and ended up while I was establishing residency in California for law school, I kind of got this very random opportunity to interview for a job in new home sales, which is something I didn't even know about because that wasn't, that didn't exist where I grew up. Um, so started that career and realized that I was very good at sales. And it was ultimately because I love asking questions and that's the journalist in me. And I love connection and I love, you know, finding commonality. And that suited me really well in a sales job, especially, you know, real estate is, is a really important sell. You're not just like selling a cell phone, you know, you're selling a home, you're selling a life for someone. And I did that and went up the corporate ladder because of, you know, growing up the way that I did financial success was really important. You know, I didn't want to struggle. And so I saw that job and, and I remember asking my first boss, I said, is it possible to make six figures here? Because at 22, the only thing I thought you could do to make six figures is basically an attorney or a doctor. And I wasn't that great at science. So so I, he said, he said, actually, if you make a hundred thousand, you'll get fired. I said, what? He said, because that's, that, the, that would be below your quota of what you're expected to sell. And so I started this job at, you know, 23 years old, you know, basically almost fresh out of college. And that was in 2003. That was the well, kind of the middle of the real estate boom. And I was in Las Vegas, Nevada. So it was, I don't know if you've seen the movie, the big short, the big short, I think it's yeah. called. That was actually based on someone I knew that was a mortgage broker. And so I went through this very bizarre time that I made a lot of money, a lot of money. And I, I did what was the smart thing and invested it back into real estate. And unfortunately then the recession hit and it kind of was like monopoly money. Like everything that I had killed myself for, for about four or five years kind of all went away and I started over. And, and two things that taught me is, is I realized that 
um, I realized that real estate was not my dream. It was a zone of excellence. If you've ever read Gay Hendricks' book, The, the Big Leap, it was a zone of excellence, but not my zone of genius. And I realized that I had worked so hard to create something that ultimately got taken, not taken away, but, but dissipated, you know, as the market crashed. And the only thing I had to show for that was knowledge and experience. Um, but about two years before that, and, and I know this is a long answer to a short question, I hired my first life coach at 26 years old. And I remember sitting there with her and she asked me in this first session, she said, what do you want? And I gave her this long, impressive answer. It was basically like, you know, my LinkedIn profile verbally about how I was at 25 was going to be the top. I was, I was the top salesperson that year in, in our division and in the nation and how I was going to then go on and get promoted to this and this and this. And basically by 40, 45, I'd be the CEO of a fortune 150. And it sounded very impressive, I'm sure. And then she looked at me and you know, she waited when I finished and she said, so what do you actually want? And she spoke right to my soul. I just burst into tears, started crying my eyes out because I was living off of validation. And I had realized I had been since I was probably 12. You know, my parents got divorced when I was five. So people pleasing and achieving for validation that you're enough um, was a huge part of my life. And and it was the first time someone really asked me, what do you want? And I looked and I said, I don't want this. And I, she said, well, what brings you joy? I said, well, creative things. I'm an Aquarius. And so this, this like kill it, go getter. I mean, not that it, that's still part of who I am, but it, I had completely edged out who I was as a creative human being. And so I said, well, I really love dance and I love theater and I love photography and I love writing and all, all the things. And I, so after that, I went out and I enrolled in a theater class and a photography class and circus school, which was, was a, it was a, it was a very short experience there because I was practicing at the facility where the Cirque du Soleil performers practice. And it took only two, two sessions for me to feel some major imposter syndrome and say, all right, as I'm like trying to climb this thing and do a split and they're doing, you know, quadruple backflips across the room. I think I'm going to, I'm going to start somewhere else. Um, but, but that experience of, of realizing that you can't add joy condiments. I mean, I know joy is something you're very passionate about. You can't add these joy condiments to a main course that's cardboard. Oh my God. <sighs> it's still going to taste like cardboard. And that's what I'd been doing. Um, but shortly after that kind of life imploded, I ended up, I, I had just gotten married. I ended up a year later divorced um, after five years together. Um, the market was crashing. So life kind of imploded. And then I was in survival mode and still in real estate. Um, and about a year later, I met this wonderful young man and we were dating and life was still pretty tough. It was, this is like 2010. So the, the market was starting to recover a little bit, but um, pretty early on in dating, uh, he got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I was just like, what else can happen? You know, I, I was attempting to dig myself out of a financial debt that had been incurred very, very quickly as, you know, my properties, I started having a short sell and my, my 401k literally went down to like nothing. Um, and kind of this whole, like this, what I thought was security that I had built just was gone. And, and I remember, um, I talked about this in my TEDx, 
sitting in this hospital room with him and he, he had stage four, he had no prognosis for survival. He ended up living a little over a year from diagnosis. And yet that was, those were some of the most happy connected moments I've ever had. And I looked back at that time and I was like, why was it that I was so like, we were so happy, even though everything around me, like a horrible job was making no money. Um, you know, the person I loved was dying of cancer and, and I was dealing with still with some stuff from a, a previous toxic relationship that like restraining order. Um, I was like, why was it that I was so happy? And it was because there was no guarantee of future. So it forced me to be present. And for so many years, I'd always been chasing this, this idea of this future, future certainty, future financial, you know, all of these things. And it forced me to be in that moment. And so I think I took, took kind of the life coach of like creating joy and this moment of like being really present and that life is too short to do things that you're not excited about. And I'd love to say that like right then I totally turned things around, but it took me another five years to actually like get clarity on what does my personal vision of happiness or my personal vision of success look like that is only for me, that does not matter what other people think are the right things to do. And when I finally listened to that voice, I mean, everything changed. What a beautiful story and experience. Thank you for sharing all of that. Let's talk about your mindset, how you used to think that your, um, you know, how you saw your parents work really hard, that that meant success means working really hard. I think that is something I also am in the midst of right now, where I feel like now I've worked with so many coaches who are like productivity and they're so um, efficient and I've really gotten good at that type of stuff, but I still kind of have that limiting belief where like, well, if I'm not working nine to five, how can I be successful? So do you have any insight on that with your efficiency Mm. or systems or productivity? Like how are you working less by having more impact? Oh, I think, well, it starts with doing what you're passionate about. Um, because I, I definitely, definitely a huge part of like my confidence and who I was when I was in, in kind of the corporate world was around the fact that I, I could outwork or outperform anyone. And so I look back and like, I would regularly pull all-nighters, which, you know, when I got into my late thirties, I was like, oh, adrenal fatigue, this is a thing. And I did this damage 10 years earlier, but all-nighters or even, and it's so crazy to think about this. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night, not with an alarm. I would just wake up drive a deep sleeper and I would check my email and I would respond to emails. And I took pride off of the fact that like I was responding to things at 3 a.m. Yeah. And so there was this very unhealthy priority on being the first one to work, the last one there, um, you know, selling more houses or whatever it was. And, and, you know, that burnt me out. And also on the other side, I, I mean, yes, I made, you know, I made a lot of money, but then it all went away. So I had nothing to show for it. But I, and I'd really given up just a lot of life, like a lot of living, a lot of experiencing. I mean, I remember this moment, I was probably 26 and I was pulled up in front of, I was building a custom home in a Mercedes, like, you know, get looked on paper, like I had had it all made. And at this moment, I just wanted to run away from my life. I was engaged to be married. And looking back, had I, obviously I love where I'm at now. And I needed to go through all of those things to be who I am today. But I just had this impulse to like give everything up and just go travel. And I didn't listen to it, mm-hmm. um, which again, I'm glad because I wouldn't be who I am today. But 
But the productivity thing, in fact, my call today is with my productivity and goal coach <laughs> right after this podcast. Um, it's still something that I, I work on. And becoming a mom has definitely helped me because when it was just me and my husband, and my husband is a founder of a startup, so he works crazy hours. Um, I, I love that hustle. I really did. And I know people talk about hustle versus the flow, but I love that feeling um, until I didn't. Mm-hmm. And what I have realized though is, is a being in this flow state, right? And I think the flow state is not just about like finding a place where there's no, no such thing as hard work because often the things that we want that are gonna make us feel amazing or the accomplishments or just being the way that we want to be, Sometimes that happens on the other side of finishing something that's hard. It doesn't necessarily mean the actual process is always going to be flow and wonderful and easy. Um, But when I am really focused on the things that I'm really called to do versus the things I could do or should do, that is where I find the flow. It's not like, oh, I could take this client because I'll earn the money from it. But like, but I know that they're really not a great fit or it's going to feel, it's going to like, it's going to be difficult right? It's the people I'm pulled to and called to work with, or it's the projects. Like, and I've worked some of them. I, I took a job at a startup um, as CEO because I loved the idea, even though at the time I, I didn't really, I didn't have great feelings about the co-founder, but I said, if I don't do this, then I'm going to regret it if this thing hits it big, you know? And so I was looking more at like the FOMO versus what is really in line with the person that I want to be and the life that I want to have and the life that I want to design. And now that I've gotten really clear on that, on, on what is the way I want to be, what is the life I want to have and making decisions from that standpoint instead of, but if I don't, what am I missing out on? Um, it's made it much easier to not, to not like produce, 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 produce. Mm. And I will say the other thing is delegation is, mm. is realizing that, um, per, you know, perfectionism or having control is, is a form of procrastination. Okay. So with your getting aligned with what you actually want and what your soul actually wants, I feel like you have to do a lot of mirror work and that's kind of where I'm at. So yes, I feel like just one-on-one now, I feel like I know what I want. I have that alignment and I've done the mirror work, but I can feel some type of resistance still. Like like when you're dreaming, you can't run in your dream and your legs feel Mm. so happy, like that's how I'm feeling. Like, have you experienced that? And like, how do you get yourself? Yeah. How do you get through that? How do you actually follow through and take action on that mirror work? Mm. So whether it's mirror work or breath work is also something I've been doing a lot of recently. Mm. Um, so what's happening is you're tapping into your highest self, right? You're tapping into this, this, whether you call it like expansive consciousness or your true self, but then there's still pieces that need to be let go for integration. Because there's a difference between awareness and then the implementation of it or the integration of it. And I like, I'll, I'll give you an example from today. I, I think that I'm a very confident person and that I, I have always said like, you know, I can be at home with a blue collar worker because that's what I grew up around. But I also can sit across from, you know, the Fortune 150 CEO because I've done that as well. Um, today, I dropped my son off at camp and we got invited to, um, to go, we got invited to basically be a guest of this, this it's a country club. And it's one of the most prestigious ones in the Bay Area. We do not belong to it. But as I dropped my son off at this very exclusive place, I felt like a complete imposter. 
And I was like, ooh, this is, I was like, I, I always say, get curious, get curious about what's happening. I was like, this, what does this mean? Well, this means that I've got some still very deeply ingrained, even though I've done a ton of personal work, like all the personal work, I've got some deeply ingrained things from my parents, you know, as in their wonderful, my parents are wonderful human beings, but because they grew up really poor, there's still this idea of maybe de- a little bit of demonization of people that are really wealthy. Yeah. Um, you know, their, their money mindset, their money story is pretty negative. I would say, you know, I'd say, or, and the funny part is they've done very well. They've worked really hard. You know, they, they are now, I'd say definitely, you know, like very solidly middle-class have investment properties have, have done very well. Um, especially from where they started, but I realize that there's still a piece of me that's going, well, am I good enough? Am I good enough? You know, I don't have the MBA from this school. I didn't go to Harvard or Stanford. And, and so that just tells me I need to get curious about what else do I need to do? What do I need to let go of? What work do I need to do so that I feel the same and, or not the, when I say the same, like I feel worthy and that it's not about, you know, it's not about material things. But I would say, get curious about that and say, okay, I know I have, I'm aware of what I want, but what, is, what do I need to let go of that may still be holding me back from the possibility of this? Mm-hmm. Which is why you and I both love mindset because you can have all the strategy in the world. I love strategy. Strategy is like my form of creativity, but I tell people, you know, I can give you business strategy to hit seven figures this year, but it's going to be your mindset that holds you back, not the strategy. I want to talk about how you mentioned that you used to be, you were people pleasing for validation. Um, I think a lot of people listening and I can definitely relate to that, especially coming from being more of an influencer with lifestyle to now I really want to niche down mm. and be mostly a mindset coach. So that's hard when comments are like, I miss your old blah, blah, blah. And I miss the way you used to post blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I'm not aligned with that anymore. Right. Um So I want to ask how you talked about the zone of competence or confidence, um, expert and genius. Can you kind of talk about those and how those um, kind of relate to how you could be potentially self-sabotaging through people pleasing? Absolutely. So the idea there's four zones, there's a zone of incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Zone of incompetence, most of us don't spend much time there, right? These are like the things that we're, we're bad at and we don't enjoy. So they're typically things that we either don't do or we do really poorly or we put it last. Then there's a zone of competence. So, so I'll give an example. Um, like for me, incompetence would be my bookkeeping. Not something I want to do, not something I'm good at, not something that I want to get better at. I'm like, delegate this out. So the competence would be like Canva, using Canva. Maybe it would be Instagram because I still haven't done reels. I've got to figure that out. But um, it's something that you're, you're okay at. You're decent, you know. Um, it doesn't probably bring you much joy. This would be like doing dishes. No, zone of competence. Like I don't pride myself on like being, well, maybe I'm an excellent addition. I, I, my dishes do good clean, but I don't enjoy it, right? And then there's our zone of excellence. And the zone of excellence is like quicksand. It is the most dangerous zone because it's a zone of things that we're really good at and that people probably are telling us we're great at it. They might even be re- they're relying on us. We probably get paid well for it. We're recognized. We might even get awards. This was my career. I mean, I, in fact, I've gotten rid of all of them, except this one, you can see this crystal in the back. It was like salesperson of the year of my company. It's the one award I haven't left, but I've got rid of everything else. Some of this no longer is who I am. But zone of excellence is what most people will do as their career. And they'll do it really well, but they'll be like, something is missing. It's where life looks really good on paper, but you don't feel completely fulfilled. 
that's the zone of excellence. And it's a dangerous place to be because it's a killer of creativity. But on the surface, nothing looks wrong. So if you're, you know, for listeners, if you're out there and you're like, okay, you know, I'm, I went to school, I'm doing my job, you know, I'm, I'm really good at it. I enjoy it. Maybe you could even enjoy it, but I just feel like I'm missing something. Like what, what am I missing? And it can even get to the point where you're skeptical. Cause I can remember being in this place in my career where I was in this inner struggle between trying to convince myself that what I was doing, I like, you should absolutely keep doing this. But then my mind was like dreaming of all these other things. And I would hear about people that were doing things they were like incredibly passionate about, right? And, and how it didn't feel like work. And yes, you know, I, I loved a lot of, I loved some of the things I did. I enjoyed some of them and some of them I didn't like at all. And, you know, work was very stressful. And I, I worked with some great people, but it still wasn't my zone of genius. So what happened is I would watch the, or hear about these people that were doing these things that were incredible, right? And by the way, this is a clue. Most people that are doing things that they're winning, you know, Oscars or Emmys or Nobel prizes or, you know, really like mastery level of something where, and where they're impacting is because they're in their zone of genius. And your zone of genius is like this quantum leap fast lane. And, but it, it is usually outside of the security net or the safety net. Um, so I didn't even get, I didn't know this concept until after I'd already left my job, but I just remember saying like, I don't know exactly what it is that I'm meant to be doing, but I just know that this is not where I see myself in the next 20 years. Like I just couldn't envision myself there. And ironically, you know, I was looking for any way to create a bridge of basically creating time of how can I have the freedom and the time to explore what I really want to be and grow up to be, grow up to be, you know, at, at, in my mid thirties. And I actually fell into network marketing, which is something I never expected. And I did a little bit of that for a few years and was really grateful because it created a bridge that created some financial freedom where then I could go explore other things. And yeah. initially I went into health coaching because I, I'm obsessed with health. I, as I sit here drinking my celery juice, you know, I, um, I got obsessed with health be- after my boyfriend, well, when he was going through cancer, I was like, I can save him. I'm going to figure out all the things I started wheatgrassing and started learning about inflammation. And this was back before it was cool to be gluten-free and dairy-free. This was like oh, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and then I've just always been obsessed with personal optimization and, and kind of, you know, biohacking. So, so I started with health, but what I realized is health was an obsession, but it wasn't my passion. Mm-hmm. Like I, if somebody asked me, I could tell them, this is exactly how you should eat to, for low inflammation. If you want to, you know, lose weight, these are all the things, but then I didn't understand why people didn't, just didn't listen to me and do what I was do what I said. I was a little bossy, um, but it's because for me watching someone I loved go through cancer and die, health was no longer a nice to have. It was a non-negotiable. So mm-hmm. things like, like for me, if I, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to drink. So I go four months and I don't drink or like, I'm not going to eat sugar. Like it's not difficult. I have no mental battle in my head because it's not a want. It's a must. It's a part of my identity now. Um, and I just didn't enjoy that. But I finally realized like going back to, like, I loved sales and I love strategy of what I was doing in real estate. I just didn't love the container I was doing it in. And I started to look at like, what am I really passionate about? And it was helping women it was business. It was confidence. That was the biggest thing I saw that I had that a lot of women didn't was confidence. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, why am I confident to go out and try these new things or, you know, start a podcast or write a book or, you know, like, why am I raising my hand or creating opportunities? And 
there's so many, I mean, I'm not any more deserving or special or whatever than any other woman out there that has this desire in their heart. Um, and so what I finally started was working with females on branding and the pitch club actually only was started last September. Not even a year, it's not even a year old, which is crazy to me looking at, you know, the impact we've had and, and, you know, we've created some incredible transformations and results, but it took me 40 years to figure it out basically. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Lately, I've been feeling very rushed, very rushed to make the transition, rushed to have the results, rushed to give other people the tools and results and like almost rushed to prove myself in this new um, light. So it's comforting to hear that you let yourself just take the time and learn. But how do you not feel like a failure (laughs) for taking that time? Ah. So I think that it's important to understand the difference of being pushed and pulled. And when you feel rushed, you feel pushed. Mm-hmm. And when you feel called, you feel pulled. So I had a business with a, um, a friend a few years ago and I was still, you know, doing my kind of cut my coaching one-on-one. It had really shifted away, totally away from health to doing more business, but I was still, I wasn't necessarily sharing out kind of with the, the market, what I was doing, but we were doing these branding retreats and it started feeling hard. So that's the push, right? I started feeling like I should be doing more and just wasn't fun anymore. And so it was January of 2020 and we had done an event and I just said, you know, this just doesn't feel like the the magic didn't feel like it was there anymore Mm -hmm. that we had experienced our first events, you know, a year and a half, two years later. And so I said, you know, I I told her, I said, I want to pause this. I don't know that I want to like quit it. I just want to pause it right now because it's just not feeling aligned and I've got to figure this out. And at the time I really felt called, I'd been helping a lot of women actually launch podcasts after I'd launched mine. It's so many women, you know, in groups that I was in our mastermind say like, how did you do it? How did you go new and noteworthy? You know, how did you get top rank? And I said, well, I just, you know, I, I'm a systems girl. I love following systems. I love creating them. I love like reverse engineering. Usually after I do it, okay. I like creating a better path and then teaching someone else that. So I'd helped about 16 or 17 women launch podcasts. And, um, and then I, I had almost finished my book. I hadn't published it yet. And I said, you know, I think I want to do a class teaching people how to launch podcasts. So I started, so basically February, we, I had stopped the other business and I was like, I'm just going to give myself about 60 days to figure out exactly what I'm going to do. And I was going to Alt Summit, which is a creative summit in Palm Springs. That was beginning of March, 2020. This is right as things are getting a little crazy. And I went to that and started realizing there was a few other areas that I really had taught myself, self-taught outside of just launching a podcast, but how to guest on podcasts and how to get seen in media for free without paying for PR. And the reason I did that is I, I went and interviewed PR people and I was like, I don't have an extra $5,000 a month to spend on PR that I'm not even sure I'm going to get a result. But I did know that as I was pivoting and what I was doing, that having press, right, PR, podcast appearances, et cetera, that was a huge way to build visibility and credibility. And without visibility and credibility, it's very difficult to create profitability in what you're doing. Mm. And I realized that was kind of just the fast track. And of course, it's you have to be clear in what you're doing. You have to know where you're creating value, where you won't have those opportunities. But um, I started, I'd been doing that for myself and gotten very good at it and been really successful. And I started teaching a few of my clients and they were getting in, you know, Forbes and Women's Health and Reader's Digest and, you know, national publications. And well, maybe I'll do a course that teaches people this. 
And I just gave myself permission to, I actually like stopped everything I was doing, all my coaching. I think I had one client at the time that was it. I went down to one client, didn't renew anybody, didn't take on any new people, pretty much went off social media um, during the pandemic, during that, you know, that forced pause. And during that time, I built out the curriculum that I thought was going to be an evergreen course. And I launched it in, I published my book also. I was like, I need to do three things. I need to relaunch my website, publish my book and do this course. And these are all things that I am called to do, but I was putting on the back burner because of things I was pushed to do because pushed is usually other people's expectations. Mm. And the clue here is as people pleasers, you know, and I say I'm a recovering people pleaser, but as a recovering people pleaser, I was often prioritizing what other people ask me for. And then I would often feel resentment around feeling obligation for something I really didn't want to do or didn't want to do in that order. And so that time when everything shut down, I was just like, this is permission to focus on the things that light me up. And also that, by the way, that was a very good distraction to not get caught up in all of the just craziness, right. That was happening and the news and the, you know, I mean, we watched a few episodes of Tiger King and I was like, I can't do, do all the negative. Like, let's go back to personal development and growth. And long story short, that was the flow because I stepped into my zone of genius. I released obligations. I released the need to please. And I stepped into this flow and what got accomplished during that time. Like I have worked much harder other times. I've worked more hours I mean, I, you know, we were in pandemic and I had at the time a one and a four-year-old and I had, we fortunately had just gotten an au pair, but, and my husband, like we, we were not with my husband physically because we have a, we at the time had a 1300 square foot house and the idea of five people living in that with two working from home, we ended up going to his parents' vacation home, which was larger and bunkering down there for three months. So he was not even around. I was like single parenting it, but I had help during the day. And I look at that. I'm like, how in the heck did all this get accomplished? But it absolutely was because I was in my zone of genius and I just released everything else. And Mm -hmm. we launched the pitch club in September and in I mean, now it's been nine months in nine, almost 10 months. Um, we have more than 80 clients have grown our free Facebook group to, I think close to 2000. Um, as of a week from now, when pivot with purpose is launched, we'll have created 20 best-selling authors. Cause part of that we do is, is publishing books, um, helped, I think an additional six women launch podcast. We've had over 50 women featured in hundreds of publications as well as like, you know, up-leveling their business and, and just feeling yeah. permission. And I look at that, I'm like, I have created more impact in the last 10 months than I probably had in the, the six years prior. But it's because I got clear and got quiet and gave myself that permission. Yes. Wow. How beautiful. Thank you for doing that work for women. Of course. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be doing it. I yeah. feel like it's, this is my purpose. Yeah, I, I can feel it for sure as well. So especially with creating a podcast, but with just being online, being seen and heard online, I feel like it's very important now to have your um, clear message, like you're saying, and your clear purpose and like what you actually want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So do you have like a system or like a formula for kind of making that one liner? Like, even like, if it's like your Instagram bio, like, I feel like there's so much, even mine is like, I want to help women feel better. (laughs) So how do you go from that to like intentional yeah, just an intentional mindset so that people can repeat it back to you and like just so yes. I love that you asked me that. And so I was like, I have to pull up my document on this. But one of the things I train on and and I call it a niche statement. Some people call it a brand promise, yeah. you know, and and I think 
this is a difficult thing to do because one, to be succinct, I mean, for the Instagram characters, but what I tell people to focus on is, first of all, what are you, right? So are you, a, what type of expert are you or coach are you? So, you know, are you a lifestyle strategist? Are you a lifestyle designer? Are you a health coach? Are you a hormone specialist? Like get clear, it should be maybe two to three words maximum on what you are. I think that there's a lot of people out there in, in the online space that put out a title that sounds kind of cool, but it doesn't actually give people an idea of what you do. So I see that, like, I'm a freedom creator. I'm like, well, what is that? <laughs> you know, and if somebody can't tell, like, you know, when they go to Instagram, especially in the swipe culture, if they can't, if they can't get a feel about you in about three to five seconds, they're going to go past you. And, you know, and that's not just a, oh, try to capture people. That's a, what if your lack of clarity is creating confusion with someone that you are meant to help? Yeah. So what are you, who do you help? That's the other thing. And I know, especially as women, like, right, we want to help everyone, but understanding that there's a, you know, again, zone of excellence, zone of genius, you know, that was when I was doing health coaching, I could help people, but did I really, you know, did I really feel called? And the people I, I felt called to help in, in health is people who had gotten a recent diagnosis or like were really committed to making a change and were overwhelmed at how. You know, and, and now, you know, as what, with what I've do, been doing for the last few years, I am really committed to helping driven female entrepreneurs, typically small business owners, right? But driven female entrepreneurs who are scaling to six and multiple six figures. And so having that clarity of, okay, what is the type of person? Is it women? Is it moms? Is it, you know, what is it? And then the adjective. So is it health conscious moms? Is it driven women? Is it um, women who have suffered from disordered eating? Is it um, recovering perfectionist. Like, what is that title? I guess not that we want to give people labels, but how would they identify themselves? Because when they're reading this, you want them to identify in it. And then, what do you do? And when I say what do you do, it's like this is one word. Typically, it's a verb. It's do you help? Do you educate? Do you coach? Do you navigate? And then, what is the transformation? And so, there's a few different ways to do this. And when I'm telling people or teaching people how to how to create their niche statement or their their um, brand promise for their website, it's a little longer than Instagram, but I typically say, what does your ideal client, right? That health conscious mom, that driven woman, that, you know, whatever that person is, what do they want? What is their pleasure, right? Meaning what would make them feel like, what, what is their, what are they dreaming about? Is it feeling confident? Is it feeling healthier? Is it being more organized? Like what are those things that they want? And then what are they, what are their pain points? Because most people will run faster away from pain than they will towards pleasure. So if it's a female entrepreneur who I work with, they're typically feeling overwhelmed because there's so many things to do and they don't know what to do first. They're typically feeling lack of confidence because they see other people out there doing it and they're only seeing the highlight reels, right? And and they're they're really, they're wanting more. They feel, they're feeling blocked, right? They're feeling stuck. So what is it that they're struggling with? What do they want? How do you help them? Um, and so I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples. And, and then if you have a signature process, which that's something I love teaching is like how to create a signature process. And so, you know, if somebody came to you and said, you know, how do I design a life? Like you would take them through your course. Let's say your course module is your signature process. It might be, first of all, like, what is your personal definition? Like for me, when I take them through my signature process, it's what is your personal definition of success in business? Because I don't want you comparing yourself against someone that's working 90 hours a week 
and they're making seven figures, if you only want to work 20, let's make sure that your personal vision of success is supported, like, and your business goals are supported by the life you actually want to have because it's holistic, right? Your business is what you do. Your brand is who you are. Mm -hmm. So that signature process and how do you deliver it? Is it courses? Is it coaching? Is it programs? Is it downloadables? So for example, here's one I, I just pulled up from, um, from a mom who is a registered dietitian. And so her little short one is, I educate health conscious moms feeling anxious, confused, and overwhelmed to navigate the information and options and feel confident in feeding their children the right nutrition. Wow. Super clear. One sentence, right? And, and then the, the short version of that, I mean, there, you can make it a little shorter. I had another one who, um, like, who helps women who have had a child that um, is special needs. And she's, I, she said, I help high performance women who have lost themselves in motherhood. Super short, right? Um, but, but that's really it is looking at who are you? Who do you help? What do you do? And what is the transformation? And you don't have to put in the pain points of it short. You could just say, you know, I help health conscious moms feel confident in feeding their children the right nutrition. It could be that short, but it tells someone exactly what she does. Yes. And you want people to look at you and you want them to say, this is a heck yes or a heck no, repel or attract. Wow. That is powerful. Heck yes or heck no. Yeah. And really just take responsibility for it. Those steps were so, so helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. So I have two pages of notes from this interview. This was so helpful. So what is next for the pitch club? What's next for your coaching? How can we get involved? Where can we find you? Yes. So on Instagram at Rebecca Cafiero. And then I have a Facebook group called the pitch club goal getters. And we do weekly trainings there. It's all free. It's a great place to connect with other women. And whenever I do master classes or, you know, anything like that, I do it in that group and pivot with purpose. So on June 28th on Amazon, our book will come out pivot with purpose. And that was um, a collaborative book done by a mastermind. My first mastermind, we've got my second one going right now, but it's 18 women. And they started this, this, we started working together in September of 2020. And then they wrapped up in March of 2021. So it is a group of women who came together during really the craziness of the pandemic. And many of them were pivoting their businesses completely. Some of them were brick and mortars, you know, that shut down. Um, and it's their stories of how they pivoted. And, you know, it's not just a pandemic story. It's really a story of overcoming adversity. It's a story of grit. It's a story of, of embracing challenge and how you come out of that. And I think it's a story that anybody, anybody needs. And I, I love the fact that, you know, these are, these are real women. And it's incredibly inspiring. My Mother's Day present to myself was I went to a hotel and I did, I edited the entire book, 10 hours of, you know, of editing. And I was just so grateful at the end. I'm like, I am so excited and, and feel so humbled that I was able to bring this group of women together and what they're going to teach from this book. Um, but that's coming out. And so, you know, definitely go and check it out on Amazon. All the proceeds go to a charity called Dress for Success, um, which is a nonprofit that helps empower women that are struggling to, you know, one, get professional clothes, but then also um, on like interview skills so that they can get good jobs so that they can become economically um, stable. And what else outside of that? Oh, I will be launching a program this summer um, called the Pitch Club Publishing School for people that want to write a book and have a story. I mean, so many of us know that we have a story and it's going to be a 12 week program. Doesn't mean you have to write the whole book in 12 weeks, but I'm sure that there will be people that will. And that will, because I, I realize 
with my own book and I realized it with this book that's coming out is my passion is giving women a voice and I business strategy is just the way I do it but you know it, it's helping them be more impactful in their business but I realized I really wanted to help women share their stories and I've always considered myself a writer but becoming an author was so different and I want to help more women put that megaphone to their message and be able to put that spotlight on their brilliance wow beautiful well I will link to all of that of course in the show notes and all over my Instagram. And I'm just so excited for everyone to connect with you. And it sounds like you just have so much coming and so much to offer. And we're all just like radiating in your light. So keep it coming. Oh. <laughs>